All right, episode three of Triple Zero War Inside and Out. Mark Andrews. Hello, mate. How you going, mate? I'm very good. We're inside today because it's a bit stormy outside. And windy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, windy. Um, mate, just wanted to um, just reiterate that, you know, we, we do talk about our policing experiences um, over, you know, combined experience of 32 years and we're going to talk about... Um, uh, you know, death again today, and some events that we went to. Um, so, if you do watch this or listen to it, and um, you do battle PTSD or um, suicide is a, a topic that you know is an issue for you, um, please listen or watch this with a support person. Um, and if it does trigger something and you need urgent help, please um, reach out to someone or Lifeline is 13 11 14. So, yeah, the feedback we've had from the last two episodes have been really positive. It's been um, interesting to listen what people have taken out of it and um, a lot of people have come back and said, you know, I didn't realise that you guys even yeah. had to go through that stuff and... Yeah, it's not like it is all on TV. And um, have you found that? Yeah, I have. I've um, my mum watched it for the first time. Um, I've never told mum what I've been through yeah. purely out of a defence mechanism, I suppose, not to upset her. Yeah. Um, she ended up watching the episodes and um, sent me a very heartfelt message, and um, obviously providing me support and. And just, you know, it's telling me that she'd be there for me all, all time. And she also thanked you for raising awareness to um, PTSD and that and for um, allowing for me to talk about it so she can get an understanding of what's been going on as well. Yeah. She's always had an idea, but I just purely to protect her feelings and I just don't really want to talk to mum about it. So I suppose this is a good forum for her to find out what has actually gone on over the last 30 years or whatever it is. So. Yeah. My family don't know anything really, um, yeah. so they're going to you know start watching these and yep. yeah, it's amazing how you know I left in two thousand and five, so fifteen years later, I'm just starting to share experiences and my family and a lot of my friends don't know half of or really anything that I went to, yeah. um, other than you know some of the colleagues that you worked with um, at the time, so. 100% great. Um, like the only ones um, I've pretty much opened up to and shared experiences with have been counsellors and yeah. uh, professionals. I haven't discussed anything. Like You're probably the first mate that I've really gone into depth about some of our experiences and I haven't told any of my family. My sister watched the episode the other day and um, she was surprised that even like a phone ringtone could be a trigger. Um, she didn't realise like how people take things for granted day to day for someone else could be a, a trigger for something that they've experienced and stuff like that. So yeah. it's sort of, she was quite, not amazed, but she, it sort of like drew a new awareness for her and she could sort of appreciate why at family dues, I suppose, I'd probably be a bit quiet and yeah. just sort of withdraw within myself and stuff like that or not go to family dues and stuff. But I think it's given them a bit more of an awareness mm. as to why you do that. But yeah, um, certainly something you don't feel good about doing, but... Yeah. Um, it's definitely something you don't sort of like go to a party or something like that and, and want to start talking about. Yeah, you so. just don't start disclosing <laughs> no. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it is difficult to talk about. And as I said, I think I've I said, apart from opening up with you recently and um, my professionals, I've never, and that's included my close relationships with um, mm. my wife and uh, girlfriend and that afterwards. I've pretty much not really um, gone into much of my um, experiences at all purely yeah. because, yeah, it is hard to talk about, but purely to protect what you think you're protecting them too yeah by not having to tell them we're going to talk about two stories today um that probably people might be able to understand why we don't rock up to parties and yeah. just just talk about these things um to to anyone but um i guess for me i wanted to bring up a um an experience that i had where you see a lot of death in in the police and um, you know you. It's easy to see where life doesn't mean anything, or it can yeah. come across as that. Um, so, 
this was I'd only been in probably two and a half years. I was at Green Valley, and we were working. I was on night shift, and it was about half past four in the morning. That job comes over when you're just driving around it actually been a busy night but probably from three o'clock onwards it had really slowed down um and actually from on that night uh fairfield and cabramatta patrols all their cars were off the road so we were also monitoring and attending to you know just anything urgent over in cabramatta and fairfield so after three o'clock it just went quiet yep probably the calm before the storm <laughs> but yeah so about half past four we get that um message over the radio um you know green valley 15 can you attend uh, a certain unit in miller um uh, lady's been found deceased okay so we we get there and um so you're already on shift for 10 and a half hours 11 it coming up to 11 hours and we go in, and um, so I was working with uh, Matt Hoffman at the time, um, and we greet the um, fellow at the door, and the Ambos are there, and um, Ambos of yeah, we someone who's deceased inside. Um, the fellow I mentioned was the partner of the of the deceased, and um, you know we said to him, you know what's what's going on. And he said that um, they, the night before, just usual standard night, they were just watching TV. Um, and so they, the deceased and the, the, the guy, they were in their 40s, um, history of drug use. Um, the unit <clears throat> that they were in, really just not much property. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't work, so they'd obviously, you know, just living there constantly. Um, it was a bit unkept. Um, and so he said that, you know, they were just watching TV, finished watching a movie. They both went to bed at 11 o'clock that night. Um, and he's woken up <clears throat> about 3.30 um, and realised that she wasn't in bed with him. And didn't seem anything like at that time <coughs> anything was really up so he then went back to sleep and he's woken up about 30 40 minutes later she's still not back in bed and so he says uh i'll get up and go to the toilet so he walks down the hallway it's only a small unit so he walks down the hallway and he opens the bathroom door and um he found her hanging um by the there's a you know the shower curtains yep. you pull around so she was um you know hanging from the the railing and um he said straight away i knew she was um gone mm-hmm. um and there's just no sign of life whatsoever um so he's he's cut her down and um basically pulled her out of the bathroom and sort of laid her half in the hallway half in the bathroom and um ambos of yeah she's been deceased for a few hours so at some point just after 11 o'clock she's got back out of bed and and gone in and um hung herself and um so we've basically um called the detectives down just because that's the protocol at the time was that you know all deceased were a detective would have to attend um and so they weren't on shift until (laughs) 7am so basically we had a supervisor um who came to the job and um you know just uh, you know haven't just dealing with the scene and um everything but then so he's the sergeants called the um, detectives in a little earlier. And um, so this stage, um, she's been moved out into the hallway and just lay, laying in the hallway. And um, the detectives arrived and thought the, the marks around her neck, usually from a hanging, the, the, the marks in the neck would run up and behind the 
the um, the ears just because of the weight of the body pulling down yep. on, on the rope. Whereas her marks went straight around the back of her neck. And so there was some thought that, you know, <coughs> could she have been strangled yep. and then made it look like a, a, a hanging. So there was a lot of uh, talk amongst the detective and the sergeant at that time and, um, you know, we're just sort of monitoring the, the crime scene, allowing, you know, Ambo's come and go. Um, so this stage, it gets to about 7.30 in the morning and the detectives contact the coroner yep. to see, you know, what, what he relays some photos and also what, what to do. Yep. And the coroner said, I want to come out and have a look at the scene. Um, so you know, have a look at the strength of the railing and um, the what was used to um, hang herself and, um, you know, basically I want to I want to see the yep. scene without you know, looking at just photos. So some more time goes by and uh, about 8.30 the coroner arrives and, um, you know, assesses everything and they're there for a little, about 20 minutes and... Um, so coroner then is satisfied that it's a, a hanging yep. um, and they leave and um, then the detectives, you know, obviously need to then take a statement from um, the deceased partner. And so about nine o'clock at this stage, yep. the detectives leave with the partner. Um, coroner's gone, Ambos are gone, well and truly. And so there's myself, Matt, and the supervisor and the deceased on the floor. And um, why I say the process from now on is where I felt like it was the first time that I thought that life could be just cheap or we need to value life better. Um, And I, I think about it to this day where she's laying on the floor and we're standing pretty close to her now talking about who's going to be doing overtime to stay there until yep. the government contractors arrive. And for those listening, the government contractors are the, you know, the who are contra- the funeral home that's um, contracted by the government to take the body to the mortuary. So Matt's got to go back and start the event. And so the supervisor says, you can come with me back to the station you can just create the event get the stuff done for the you need to for that um and then so gibbo you stay here until the government contractors arrive no problems so then obviously i've i've got no car matt took that and the supervisor said just ring me when the government contractors get here i'll come back and pick you up no problems so then very quickly everyone left and I'm there with her, and yeah. I just I didn't know what to do from <laughs> what like what <clears throat> like you know what do you do? There's no one to talk to, um, and I kept taking my attention back to her being just laying on the floor, yep. and she had a, a towel over her, um, the top part of her body but she had um, leggings on which her feet were exposed. Uh, Leading up to this, before they put the towel over her, you know, it's what it's like when you attend a suicide, uh, those last moments of life, the anything in the sinuses, bowels, they lose all function. Um, So she had urinated herself and so... Um, she had these olive coloured like leggings on, and now even to this day, um, you know, seeing any leggings where you know if women have any sweat around yep. on the leggings, that I think about that. Um, so yeah, so where she'd lost all control of her um of, of bowels in the end, that the smell was there too in in the unit, um. But when I'm there on my own with her, I could just see her feet uh, just 
going really like this, that death colour, yep. rigor mortis is setting, all the blood flying to the bottom of the body. And um, I feel like I just needed to cover up her whole body. Um, so I went to the bathroom and got another towel out and um, just not thinking. Uh, I just had it, I was just fixated on covering her feet because it was. I just, just wanted that. Yeah. I just needed to do that, and um, not thinking, I've um, I've pulled the towel down instead of just putting the other towel over her feet. I've I've pulled a, the towel down, and it's so now I'm standing above her, and it's just now exposed her face to me, and I can't ever not get that image out mm. of my head, and I. I think I feel I beat myself up about it this day because it was just so stupid to do, but I just was just so fixated on covering the covering feet. the feet, and so that's just exposed her face, and um, you know, which now at this stage had dramatically changed from even a few hours ago. Um, so I've covered up the her um, toe feet leg bottom of the legs and now a face um and it's about 10 past nine and the government contractors are about an hour and so i just went and sat on her lounge and turned on her tv and i was just watching then the 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 morning show or the the, the show that's on tv <coughs> and so sometimes now when i watch that morning news or if i see that i i think about that time yep but to have her spend the next 45 minutes sitting on her lounge watching her tv um she's deceased on the floor no one's cleaned her up yep it's just just i feel like why she got out of bed that night to go and hang herself, to end her life because she thought there was no other way of living. She just wanted to to leave this world. It kind of the whole process of her then being left to lay on the floor, and the she, there wasn't much dignity for her. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the detectives come in and just did their thing. The coroner walked in, did his thing. The Ambos had been in and just done their thing. And I, I guess I've, I was able to sit there and um, uh, the human part of it, I, I couldn't stop thinking about. Yep. And then I didn't know what to do then. I So I'm just sitting there watching TV while this lady is just dead on the floor. Mm. What... Then finally the government contractors arrive and I'd never been so grateful to see other people. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're just joking around because anyone who knows government contractors, it's kind of, they're either very, um, just don't talk to me or they're telling jokes. And yep. So the, this one's telling jokes and... Um, you know, this stage is 10 a.m. and it's four hours after, you know, knockoff. And, um, you know, come in, unzip the bag and we put her into the bag and she gets zipped up and we carry her out to the to the van and and then, uh, yeah, ring the supervisor and um, finally comes and gets me and we go back to the station and... Basically, half past ten, complete the overtime form, yep. and not one word of "How you going? Are you all right?" Um, Gibbo, you better go. You're back here at six p.m. Just come in at six thirty tonight, so you got your <laughs> yep. eight hour break. Yep. And just driving home, I just remember thinking, "What just happened? Like someone just died," and I just felt it was just so meant nothing to no one it's just a process isn't it's it? just a process and i i get that it has to be yep. but um it's something that i i that's the first time that i went to um a deceased where i just felt like life did wasn't life doesn't matter life yeah was cheap yeah. in this country 
Um, and I, you know, there was no real family that was, you know, how you, you can go to some scenes and the, the whole family rock up and yep. they want to know answers and there was just nothing. There yep. was none of that. Um, and, you know, yes, they were drug users and they were both on methadone too, but they were just getting their life on tr- back yep. on track as best they could. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess it's just something that I've always just thought about is um, I wish I wish life could be a bit more joyful and <laughs> how do we, how do you make that process any more dignified or or any better um, it it's I think if there is any cops that are still in there at the moment is just always act with dignity and because yep. um, what what like looking back at it now, I I wouldn't have turned on the TV. I don't know why that affects me, but I felt I feel like now I was disrespecting her. So you feel a lot of guilt. I feel a lot of guilt. Yeah, of, of using her stuff while she was deceased on the floor, even though I was just watching TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know why. I don't. I I why I why I feel that. Um, Maybe it was a um, an escapism, like you said. You're uncomfortable being there with her. Yeah. And as soon as you saw human contact, you've actually you've never wanted more human contact. Yeah. So maybe just the turning on the TV was to divert a your attention away from her being, you know, laying there in the hallway. So yeah, like um, that guilt sticks with you, and that's one thing I find hard to separate from is the guilt from yeah. certain situations because you do things to cope at that point. Yep. And then you do it to just get through Mm. that job and do your job, but then it's not until self-reflection later and it's usually years and years later that that guilt then hits you and you just can't get rid of it. Yeah. I think I've realised too that I can't sit in silence. Yeah. If I'm at at home, as soon as I walk in, I have to turn a TV on. Yep. I, I... because I think that 10 minutes or 15 minutes of me just, what do I do now? I'm just standing here. There's, you know, looking at a feet. I need to cover you up. I just, I, that distraction of the TV, um, I, I think subconsciously I do it now. Yes. I hate, I hate silence. I can't be inside without music in the background, the TV on, um, or something, uh, and something. I, because that I do think about if I'm just sitting in silence, I think about that. Yeah, and so it's it's really weird how the mind works and how that ten fifteen minute period now can um, affect affect you still in this this way. It's amazing. Uh, well, last time we spoke, we talked about triggers and that. There's that's yeah. obviously a trigger for you, and it's just these simple things that. People take for granted day to day life and that, but like just mm. watching the Today program, I think you said you're yeah. watching or something like, like it's a trigger for you in terms mm. of bringing back those memories for um, being there with her. And yeah, but yeah, the the mm. guilt side of it, I don't know how you get rid of that, Gibbo. Um, it's 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 a personal thing. I've tried my yeah. doctors and that have tried with me to try and eliminate and try and make me realise that I didn't do anything wrong, but it's mm. still like I think you said before, it's that empath in us that. You can't let it go that it, it didn't seem right to be sitting there watching her TV while she's laying there dead and that. But I guess that just shows the the human side from you and the dignity mm. from you that even though we're there to do a job, we're end of the day we're human. Like yeah, you know, you go into that robotic sense of where you do the job, but that's just because we've been trained to do it that way. It doesn't take away what your core values are and who you yeah. are as a human being is. So. Yeah. The other thing too is I remember standing there and the sergeant tr- didn't want to pay his overtime but obviously <laughs> knew he had yeah but there's definitely i've got to get one of you out of here as quickly yep. as possible so you're both not on overtime until yeah. and i think that that plays on my mind a lot too um <clears throat> that <laughs> you know and 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 comments from the d's that were there about yep you know, their previous or their their lifestyle and their previous lifestyle will 
that you know that cheaper that lessens the involvement or care factor from them yeah which i to this day um i i feel guilty about hearing that and not saying anything um so yeah so there's a few things from that that job that um as i said you go to so many but it was the first time where i i felt there was a disconnect of humanity not in and probably not like she i don't know like it wasn't really i don't know what i'm trying to say but uh i feel like we could have treated that whole scenario better yeah yeah I think you hit it before with like the ones that are serving now. Like if anything, if you can just try and treat them with a bit of dignity, because mm. like as I said, that the point, like she felt alone, but she possibly was someone's, obviously someone's daughter, yeah, um, maybe someone's mother, mm-hmm. um, a sister, um, a friend. Um, and that's the thing we've all got those in our lives, yeah. So when you're dealing with those scenes, that you got to realize that that person, it could be one of your relatives there, it could be one of your friends or something like that, or someone that you know too. Yeah, so, that's right. And if you thought that was what was going on normally with the police, mm. it's pretty hard to. But when it's a lot easier said after you've had time to think about it and process it, but when you're there by yourself and you're trying to comprehend what's actually happened, mm. it's not a comfortable situation to be in. Mm. Um, you're there by yourself. You've got a dead body in the other room. As you said, you don't. You can't talk to anyone. You can't do anything. You just can't sit there walking around. And mm. um, so, by watching the TV, I guess that was a distraction for you. And um, yeah. I know you harbour guilt for it, but at the end of the day, it's probably um, it was just something you needed to do to try yeah. and distract from what your or what was actually happening around you in that environment, like the smell, obviously, and the, just the the thought of the, her being there and seeing the face and all that. You needed that distraction and that mm. diversion yeah. from what happened. And that's what, yeah, because she was in the same room because the, yeah. the lounge room and the hallway, um, there was only, it's a one-bedroom housing commission unit. So for that hour, yeah, yeah. I, I, I look back, I just didn't know what else to do but turn the TV off because there's no escaping seeing her on the floor. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you can't drag her into the bedroom. No. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's a, a weird feel. I've been in situations yeah. where I've been left with a dead body or um, dead person. Like even even when I just said then dead body, it makes me feel guilty for referring to them as that. Like they are. Yeah. Um, well, we used to call them what like deadens and deceased. Deadens, and, and yeah, just deceased. even that, these days now brings out guilt and it just feels so you know mm. uncaring and stuff like. That. But unfortunately, it's just the way it is. And I think that's we do that to try and cope. I think that's the black humour that comes yeah. out with the police and that, and it, it is a coping mechanism. Yeah, um, for sure. It's been explained to me before, but again, that doesn't take away the guilt when you think back about, well, shit, should I have said that, you know? And and like being left alone with someone that's just deceased, that you're not scared of them. Because, no, no. But it's yeah. just that awkwardness. It's yeah. just, um, well, what do I do? Mm. Um, yeah. It's just the weird... And as you said, I can understand fully with that sense of... Um, silence it's, it's some because that's all it is with a deceased person it's just yeah. that there's no sound that's just it's eerie mm. um it's unnerving and yeah um it is very i'm same i'll turn the tv on when i get home and stuff like that just so there's some background noise or something mm. um it's very hard to sit in silence it is 100 percent. that's where i find it hard with the mindfulness when they say like five you find set five senses and try and block everything out i can't because mm. i don't feel comfortable in that so. yeah yeah that's when a lot of images appear yeah. and a lot of smells uh, uh come back and it's easy for your mind to straight away <coughs> go back to the those those times mm, smells a powerful sense isn't it oh yeah um, oh. unbelievable and once you get that smell it's just you never forget it yeah even thinking about it now i I can actually smell it. Like mm. it's it's a weird sensation. Like as soon as you talk about death, you get that instant. Yeah, that's the senses are reminded of it, and you can actually smell it. Mm. Um, it's just nothing that you can. I wish we could just erase it, but it's just it's hard to explain. And the ones that have been through it will know exactly what we're talking about. Is just yes. you just can't erase that. There's no mistake in that smell. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a. 
a time where you felt life um, was cheap, didn't mean much? <laughs> no, there's a few that I've gone through. There was one very similar to yours, which I won't go on. Um, but there was one was doing night shifts. But when I first started doing night shifts, we used to do seven nights straight, start at 11 o'clock, finish at seven in the morning. Um, one night we went to Toongabi train station or just up the road from it. There was a overpass there for cars and um, a bloke had decided to wait for a train to come at the last second, jumped out from one of the pylons, put his head down on the track, let the train go over him, cut his head off, clean. Um, like it was just, yeah, completely clean. It was just the head and a body. There was no mess or nothing like that. It was just pretty much that was it. But then the next night, like, and, and even why I'm talking about it now, it just seems so uncaring or something like that, but it's it's not that way at all. It's just how it was and it's like even to the today like it's still something that I still think about like I can't I have dramas catching trains into the city anywhere from Penrith to pretty much Parramatta I am very uncomfortable sitting on the train because mm. of the amount of train fatalities through there I've got to take my attention away from it, whether I put headphones on or something like that but the following night we had another fatality on the trains there at Turngabby train station and this is probably where I so this I, is the following night this is the following night straight Jesus. after second night in a row so um, this one wasn't a suicide, nothing like that. Bloke had been drinking at one of the local establishments at Toongabby. Decided to take the shortcut, um, jumping across the tracks, jumping across the platforms. Didn't see the express train come through. Express client trains come and collected him. Um, pretty much as he was jumping down from the platform, so it's just sort of just ran him along the platform and just ripped him apart. No. Wow. I, I I can't remember how many pieces there were, but it was just spread over a good hundred or so metres. Because those trains take ages to stop. Like it was stopped a good probably a k up the road or up the up the track or something like that. But um, we we're there and same thing. Like you know, checking, making sure there's nothing untoward about it and stuff like that. I think the D's did come out and just make sure and. With the D's, you know, like if it's not their job, mate, it's definitely not their job. They, yeah. they don't hang around. Um, so it was just a simple fact that, you know, drunken person, no thoughts of suicide at that point, just obviously done the wrong choice, trying to take a, a shortcut home. Mm. Um, again, call the co- government contractors, but, mate, the government contractors aren't going to go along picking up pieces of human body. So it was left up to us. Um yeah, I think that's what a lot of people don't realise. The police are the ones that yeah, collect um, that. We had a rescue squad at Blacktown, so they came out, but there was only one in there, so obviously you're not just going to let one bloke do it, so you give them a hand. And, mate, I just remember walking pretty much the length of Toongabby, um, the platform along the train line there, and then a couple of hundred metres up the road past the, the platform mate, with plastic bags and just... Um, picking up pieces as we came to them. Um, it was one. It was a like the the foot was completely severed, but the sock and the shoe were still on mm. perfectly. Just nothing else attached to it. So um, the face had been demasked, um, completely ripped off, and it was just flat like a mask. It actually, it's weird because it. You have this sensation that this is not real. Uh, it can't be. That can't be a human body. Like it's just, mm. it's impossible to think of the human body being like that. And yet, we're picking up all these pieces. The spine was in one, uh, it was complete, but it was just in one separate, you know, part. Mm. You had to put pick all that up, and you know, you're picking up fatty tissue here and all that sort of stuff. And no doubt, we wouldn't have got every piece and that. So I would have had to have thought the next day the commuters on the platform probably looked down there and see a bit of meat or something like that, and they probably wouldn't have known what it was, you know. Yeah. But, and I imagine like the smell in that too would have hung around for a bit as well because yeah. so we wouldn't have been able to get every single bit. So with the days and stuff like that, I imagine there would have been a bit of a smell around the place. And mm. but yeah, just then it just I couldn't, and even now I can't comprehend how the body can be ripped up like that yeah that that was a person uh, it doesn't it didn't like doing the job i think we did it because it just didn't make sense that that was a person it was just pieces yeah and that's where that value of like just we didn't treat it as a human being we just 
like we're walking past with shopping bags, um, plastic bags, and just putting pieces of body parts in it. Like there was no respectful way of doing it or anything like that. It was yeah. just like pick it up and put it in there. Do you remember um, what you were feeling at the time or thinking? Mate, yeah, sort of. As I said, like, it was just surreal. I didn't think it was actually. Mm. I, I, to this day, I still can't comprehend that that was a human body. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about valuing human life and that, like, I just. I guess we couldn't at that point because it just was in so many. It was just completely shredded and it was just ripped apart. And to see that happen to the, how frail the human body actually is and. Mm. Um, yeah, thank. With that one, like we took it to the cop, but I didn't have to do the ID or anything like that. So I don't know how they would have like I'd do that to like would have had to obviously gone to dental records and that. I don't know. Mm. Thankfully, I didn't have to follow that one through. That wasn't my job, but I was there to assist. And mm. um, but I imagine that would have had to have been dental records and that because you, there's no way you could have had someone to come in and formally identify the body. We had the ID and all that from his wallet and things like that. But other than that, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, mate, just the, the value of life, like I, I, it was just one of those weird experiences where you just, mate, you just can't believe that that's a, a body. Did you have to deal with the family at all? Not on that one, no. Yeah, yeah. No. That would be extremely difficult to Oh, mate, I, I don't know who did. Um, I don't that. know who would have um, had to, or... Someone would have had to, but I don't know who it was who did do it. Yeah. Because I know we were on night shift and pretty much um, at the end of the shift, um, I think I think it was Normie Richards, my offside of that night. I think he was the one that went down to the morgue to do the hand the paperwork and that in. So um, mm. thankfully I didn't have to process that one any further. But yeah, that was two, two deceased in two nights, yeah. uh, pretty much at Gabby Railway Station. So yeah. um, I'll never get off at Gabby train station ever. Um, yeah. And if I ever get a train to the city or back from the city and that, I've got to get an express one. I can't have them stopping at those stations. Like, yeah. um, the thought of a train stopping at Toongabi um, freaks me out. And mm. Same as Doonside and all that. There's just that, that corridor. There's just so many train fatalities. Yeah. Um, the effect that that has on so many people is like, the victim, yep. um, the family. Yeah the police that attend, ambulance that attend, rescue yep. that attends. Um, my uncle's uh, train driver and he's had yep. he's had two people that he's hit in a train yep. and yeah, the the train driver. Well, it, people forget about the train drivers. Like, they, yeah. they, there is suicides because when I was working in Sydney and as I said, along that corridor there, like in the city circle, they'll, they're that common. So many train drivers are getting burnt out because... They just have people jump straight in front of them and people don't think of train drivers as people that would experience these traumas, but mm. they are subject to it to a, yep. a he, lot more than what people are realising. Absolutely. He says, you know, there's nowhere to go. You no, can't swerve. You can't turn. You can't, you, yeah, you can't, hitting the brakes, yes, but that doesn't stop it. And you are looking into their eyes as you hit yep. them. And... Yeah, people do forget about the train driver. And, and going back to that um, inhumane or um, how meaningless life can feel at times is the fact is that, and you'd know from train fatalities, they don't care about the body. It's just how quickly can we get the trains running again? Yes. Yep. It's not, okay, well, we've just someone's just died on the platform or the train line or something like that, but we need to get the train services going. Yeah. We've got a city to run. And that's mm. all it comes down to. And the same as... You're saying about the overtime, or oh, how are we going to? Oh, we, we're not paying overtime, but there's a dead body there. It shouldn't, yeah. m- money shouldn't be a factor. Mm. Like resources, and that comes down to the dignity and the respect. Like we're talking about how we're going to save money, but someone's just died and they're yeah. laying there. Yep, yep. And I guess that's where that dignity comes into it. Like, yeah, hundred um, percent. As I said, there's no perfect way of doing it, but surely at some point the freaking cop management and the cop, oh, not the cops, but just management that pull their heads out of their asses and say, well, fuck, fuck the money. Mm. We've got a dead person here. We've got police and other personnel that have witnessed this and probably will need some care or something like that. Why are we worried about, oh, they're going to incur two hours overtime? Mm. No, seriously. I never had anyone speak to me about, are you okay with that? No, we like, never did. Tell us, you know, when you were there on your own, were you okay with that? 
Yeah. Nothing ever. No, they wouldn't have cared because well, you'd have been on overtime, mate. Yeah. They wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have wanted to. So <laughs> but that's how, that's and we work for the government. Yet, what I find funny is that we they work to, for a budget, mm. um, and it's in a job that there's so many different variables, and that I don't see how you can work to a budget because you can't predict. Yeah, we've got intelligence and all that, so we sort of understand a bit about the you know, how crime and all that plays out and stuff like that. But you can't predict when you're going to get a massive crime spree. You can't you can't predict when someone's going to go get murdered or sunlight or when someone's going to commit suicide and that. So how can you put a a monetary value on yeah. how many suicides you're going to have a year or how many deceased? You know, you, you, you can't do it. No, that's right. And until they pull that bullshit out of, you know, running to budget in a, a government department that pulls in so much revenue for the state and stuff like that, like... I'm not saying go crazy with the overtime and that, but just when you're in instances like that, like, yeah, have a bit of dignity. Mm. You know, just don't worry about what it's going to cost. Just get the job done properly and show a bit of respect with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, going back to, um, you know, care factor is like my uncle is yeah. still dealing with it, still brings it up and we t- we talk about it yeah. when, when I see him and um, – you know, like you said, you know, just get the line back open. Same with fatalities on the road. Like, just yep. get the road open, whatever you got to do. Like, how long is this going to take? Like, And the act- pressure on you too. Like, yeah. you, you're emotionally traumatised yourself because you're dealing with a, a critical incident. But then you've got people jumping down your back saying, well, when are you getting the roads open? When you, when's the line going to back open? Mm. You know, And the radio is blaring that down to you. Like, um, ETA on when the train's going to be out. You know, mm. but you're going, yeah, well... We're just like yeah it's just amazing and that's they we're talking about at the start the quality of life and you know that's just shows that it's not it's no one really values it yeah yeah that's right there's more people are worried about how you know we just got to make money yeah you know yep um um wanted to go on to pursuits <laughs> something that everyone really Thinks you know cops and robbers and yeah. Do you have a a memorable pursuit? Uh, mate, probably the, yeah. This is when I was like, the first week in the job. Um, I had just turned nineteen. <laughs> um, I think it might have been my first shift actually, a second shift after we did a day or two of induction, which included going to the morgue and all that. And you had to do rotations, like you had to go do a stint in detectives, stint in highway patrol and all these things just so you get a feel. And that was meant to be within your first 12 months so you got a feel. But the way they did it, they just threw you straight in there whenever they could. So yeah. my first shift, I was an afternoon shift, highway patrol, um, the old VL Turbo Commodores, which I'd been a 19-year-old, I thought, oh, this is sensational, you know. Yeah. And then we are just going through Layla Park there at Blacktown and – and next, you know, this friggin' motorbike come flying the opposite direction and straight away the highway bloke spun it around and we're in pursuit of this buddy motorbike and stolen bike and... Yeah. I just remember being in the passenger seat thinking, like, holding on for dear life yeah. and absolutely shit scared. Do you remember what speeds you were doing? Oh, mate, like, we're in suburban streets and we're, like, in the 140s, 150s, like, and you've got parked cars on both sides mm. of you and stuff like that. Like, if one car could just come out a little, you, you had nowhere to go you you're pretty much like the, yeah. the, the adrenaline's firing and that and especially when you're not driving you don't have that control yeah you're shit scared because mm. like i had full faith that he knew what he was doing like he was an experienced highway patrol driver and stuff like that. but the speeds were going down these narrow buddy streets around layla park and um, blacktown and all that and and i said there's parked cars in the sides it only takes one car to reverse out yep. there's no way we're stopping no nah. And and the bloke on the bike, he's zooming in and all that sort of stuff. He's got no, he doesn't care less. And and because I'd only just started, like I, were I you calling it? That's what I was going to say. I couldn't because I only just started. Yeah. I had no experience to call it. So yeah. this highway bloke who they worked one out then, yeah. And it's an afternoon shift, mate. He's doing this one handed and calling the pursuit. And I'm thinking, I honestly thought he was a freaking genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mate, the, as I said, we, we ended up calm. The bloke ended up pulling over, and we got the bloke and stuff like. That, but just. Um, just the adrenaline from it, and then I just thought, oh, how great's this job? Like, seriously, yep. um, my first shift, and I'm just involved in a pursuit and all those things. Just and, and I did, I felt like this was TV, yeah, it's exactly like it's on TV. You know, I think when I grew up, one of my favorite shows was Chips, yep, 
the two highway motors and I thought that this is great. And at, at that point then I sort of thought, oh, I'll probably end up going to highway patrol, but <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, thankfully, but nothing yeah. against the blokes doing it, but I just, um, I'm glad I didn't end up in highway. But yeah, at that point then I just thought, mate, this is the best job in the world. Yeah. Um, but looking back now, and it would have only been one little mistake and probably would have been my last shift too, mm. you know, because there's no way, like... I said, we're getting up to mid-hundreds easy, mm. you know. Like, this is a turbo Commodore too, so yeah. she was flying. Do you miss that adrenaline rush? Mate, yeah, I do. Mm. Um, I do. Um, definitely do. Um, I, I think I've sort of tried to find that in my training where I go to extremes and stuff like that, but it, uh, you can't. Nothing mm. can replace that adrenaline that you feel during a pursuit um or off to a high risk incident or when you get called to a signal one or something like that like that adrenaline rush that you get and then i know what you're like afterwards but about half or so hour um half an hour or so afterwards it all ended you're shaking because of all the you're starting to calm down and all that and all the adrenaline settling and and whatever and yeah you get the actual shakes going and stuff so yeah the adrenaline just goes spiking oh mate yeah pursuits um you know, when we're in any theft, you, you're yeah. doing at least a search warrant a week, and you're 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 kicking doors in and yeah, going know, to brawls and stuff to, like that. Yeah, like it, the, the brawls and that, and you're pulling people out, and you're just in there and stuff like that, like the adrenaline and all that's going, and mm. it's just um, yeah, unbelievable to be honest. It's, it it um, is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's a, a feeling like it's an addiction, I suppose that that adrenaline. Um, because, yeah, I'm not going to lie and probably the testosterone and that, but I can feel good. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like. felt that. He's, yeah. He was always chasing. Oh, yep. I'd love that chase. Yep. And the adrenaline, the feel of the adrenaline, and whether it would be a pursuit or kicking the front door in or an arrest or. Yep. Um, yeah, I used to, I, I, I do miss that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that aspect I do miss. Um, mm. Unfortunately, it's not always. Like the movies, though, and mm. the other stuff, which is the reality stuff, is yep. yeah. If you could take away that, then it might be a good job. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what about yourself? What about mate? You? Um, so even earlier than yours. So the one that stands out for me um, would happen in my spo, so oh, my student in. placement, and so <coughs> so I had um four. So you go to the academy for oh, what is it, buddy? Couple of Two two months or something, three months. Mate, I did twelve weeks. Yeah, so I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then they send you off to a station for four weeks. Yep. And then you go back to the academy for the remaining five months or something, or four months, whatever. And um, so I lob up at my at my student placement, and they allocate you on the roster. You spend two shifts in a station, a week with GDs, then you'd spend uh, three days with the Edo, which yep. drove me insane. <laughs> then you'll do, you know, a week back in GDs and then you'll do four nights with Highway. Yep. Anyway, so it was one of the nights I was with Highway and um, so it, it gets to – it was pretty standard shift. Like it was these guys the, – so they were two up, it was a night shift – Yep. Um, and it was getting towards midnight and pretty much just about to, to round up. They'd just tickets, some, yep. you know, breath tests and stuff. And that, but that was it. There was nothing, some, um, some LIDAR and, you know, it was pretty uneventful. Then it gets to about 11.30 and we're about to go back into the station and I'm sitting in the back seat yep. and one of them goes, oh, there's a pursuit on the other channel which was Rose so yep. I'm I'm at Marylands and <laughs> <laughs> so Rose Hill um whatever channel Parramatta Rose Hill yep. so there's a pursuit on that and he says oh they're over at Guildford Yonora and Marylands patrol Holroyd at the time is the other side of the train station yep. he says oh look we'll just make our way over there and just in case they come our way and you know you can't you hear you so we we go over to that channel and it's on, yep. right? There's this, it's a, like a VL Commodore. Yep. And um, there's like four heads on board. Yep. And this pursuit is going for a while, right? Yep. And there's just silence in our car. Yep. And all of a sudden, 
it comes over to Woodville Road, which is um, you know fairly close to the Holroyd Patrol, yep. and we cross over the railway line, and they they can't help themselves. These <laughs> are uh, we'll just we'll just get closer in case, but there's cars galore already on yep. this thing, right? Well, anyway, we get to this intersection. Here it comes, and I remember sitting in the back seat <laughs> and just seeing those red and blue lights everywhere. just flashing yep. everywhere in the distance. And um, so it comes screaming past us, and next thing he hooks in, and we're in, we're now in the pursuit, right? And yep. we're a few a few cars back, and um, so he's going down Woodville Road, and he he hits the brakes, does a U turn, yep, and the first four or five cars just they're trying to get around behind him. Old mate who's driving our car swings it over the the island in the middle of the road <laughs> next thing we're the fucking lead car in the pursuit yep and i'm like i'm in my student placement i'm not even in the <laughs> not, cops not yet. Even meant to be i'm not there. even meant to be there i'm in the back seat and next thing we're off right yeah. and for this pursuit went for about 40 minutes it was yeah. just around eunora guildford um uh, up at villawood yep. through chester hill um, same like you know 140s up to 160 that you know yep. flying and I just could not believe how exciting this was and and the guys in the front they were as calm as anything next thing we're calling the pursuit because we're yep. the lead car and um, then one of the rear tires goes yep and they're still not they're still going right and so next thing the 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 rubber just shreds and the smell you can you know the smell Burnings. of the car yep. then next thing the sparks off the so the rim is on the is on the road the sparks from the car were were coming back over <laughs> our car and i just felt like i was in a movie yep and it was just awesome and yep. i just couldn't believe what was happening and um Anyway, it goes on. Eventually, the other back tyre goes yep. and they pull into this service station and I, I'm i not exaggerating by saying at least 30 cars were around this yep. service station. I remember looking around and just going, <laughs> what the fuck? So many cop cars and these four guys will regret um, <laughs> yeah. the... I could imagine leading leading that many coppers around. So it was just like, have you ever seen, um, you know, like buzzards that yeah, chuck a they, chip for the seagulls? Yeah, man. Um, it was, yeah. and then same. I could not sleep that night because I thought I can't wait to. Because I just thought that's just what policing is. Yeah, that's what and I thought too. I just couldn't believe that they were going to pay me to do that job because I just yeah. loved it so much. Yeah, but that pursuit was. Oh no! Still, really, I even even in like there were so many pursuits that you get into. Yeah, but <laughs> that one stands out as because it really that was your f- that was my first one, and yep. it was so dramatic and yeah. so much adrenaline for such a long time. Yep. That um, yeah, it was. I was always trying to replicate that feeling. I think yeah, like yeah. I always wanted every pursuit to be like to be that. like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but the pursuit, like, isn't it like? It is like chucking a chip to the seagull. Like as soon as anyone in the police hears a pursuit, it's everyone's ears pricks up. Oh, where, where? Bang! We're on. We're, we're on. We're on here. Everyone boys. just wants that because they yeah. just want that rush. Yeah, it's just like um, I suppose it's an addiction there, but yeah, um, everyone loves getting into a pursuit. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, so that's um, yeah, I was in my spo. Jesus, oh, you were. Yeah, I hadn't even started yet. Nah. I said I thought mine was early, like it was only what third day there or something like that. And I thought, geez, that's early for that. But yeah, and I just thought that was given that I thought that was just going to be the norm. Yeah, and yeah, thought, that's, I, that, that, that's that's what I thought the job was going to be like. Just oh, you know, this adrenaline based, you know, having a great time. Yep. Um, in for the ride of your life type thing, and yeah, how quickly that all changed. <laughs> it does, doesn't uh, it? Oh, mate, it does. Like the reality, and that's the thing. Like it's, it's not all glorified policing. In fact, it's far from it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Those moments are very few and far between mm. um there are a lot of rewarding moments in it but there's a lot of shit moments too definitely to end on a lighter note do you have any weird or funny stories well it's still on the pursuits actually this is one i was going to talk about this is when i was at braidwood and 
like I had a buddy because um, I was it was meant to be a two man, but the other bloke was off on long term six. I was there by myself most of the time, and I had a Toyota Land Cruiser because it was country state posting and that. And there'd been an armed hold up down at Maruya, and then they'd lost him around the Batemans Bay area, and that the Kings Highway that goes through Barn Braidwood comes out at um, Bateman's Bay, so I thought, oh, I'll start heading down the King's Highway in case they come up this way. And so I'm cruising down the King's Highway, keeping an eye out for this Commodore, and then all these Commodores. Actually, at the time, Commodores were an easy car to steal, and yeah. they, they were a favoured car, yeah. pretty much of the thieves and that. And then um, I think I had three on board on that one, and here I'm heading in towards Bateman's Bay, and next thing you know, I'm... It looks like the car. Yep, that's a car. So I freaking got on the radio. Here. Yeah, I've spotted. Yep, spotted yes. the car. So I'm on, and then because like I was picking up Bateman's Bay, and then we're on Queen Bean's cha- um, channel and that. So yep, fucking you're but, in a Land Cruiser, I, mate. <laughs> I, was, I was about 15 k's, 20 k's out of Braidwood. No kidding, because I was in a Land Cruiser. I reckon by the time I freaking turned the thing around, <laughs> that car would have been in Braidwood. <laughs> so <laughs> I freaking trying to turn this freaking around. I'm like manual. I'm revving the freaking shit out of it, trying to catch up to this bloody yeah. thing, and it was gone. On. Like it was, yeah. But then you know, I was radioing out my head saying, "Yeah, it's been blah blah spotted and stuff like that." And then, um, yeah, then Highway Patrol picked it up somewhere. I think the other side of Braidwood, and, and it actually made the um, the the news down in Canberra because it ended up being a massive. Like they ended up going all the way. There was a pursuit down at um, Bateman's Bay, yeah. come up along the Kings Highway where the pursuit was resumed, and I found them. But I, I got nowhere near him because I was in the bloody stupid Land Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but I can, even though I was nowhere near it, I just kept all the, driving all the way into Canberra, yeah. lights and sirens going, doing probably maximum 110 k's an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I got into, um, but it was on the news in Canberra, and like because the ACT coppers got involved, like, they all got in the, they ended up locking them all up. And yeah, we, right. It all went to trial down at um, down the coast there, and all, so I had to go to court and all that sort of stuff for yep, it and stuff. Yeah. Um, they ended up locking them up, but it was on the news because they bloody were, you know, jump mountain curbs in bloody Canberra and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Where did it originate? Do you know? Uh, Maria. Oh, that's right. You said down, that. Down there, oh, they'd, they'd done a whole arm tied up down there. So, um, made it all down the south coast and then up through Bateman's Bays where they lost it. And then, yeah. um, I just took a chance that they may come up that way and lo and behold, they did. So, yeah, that just got you a core appearance. Hey, yeah, just did, a yeah. statement. And I had to go down to Maria. <laughs> for quite isn't, a it, isn't it funny how, like, you you want to get you hear these things come over and you think yeah I'm gonna that's that's mad I'm gonna get involved but in then that. you gotta do a statement and then there's yeah. the realisation once it's all finished the the crooks in the dock you go yeah. Fuck, now I've gotta do a statement and that's where the older bloke the senior blokes are saying look no don't worry about it because yeah. they know that oh you gotta do paperwork at the end of that you know? yeah. even though it's not your job you're yeah. still gonna have to do a statement you're still gonna have to get involved and stuff yeah. like that so yeah yeah. but now that was um, I wouldn't say it was the most memorable pursuit cause I just couldn't get into it but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't through lack of trying it was just I didn't have the horsepower there yeah yeah just I, trying to do the a old, pursuit the old Land, the old cruiser. land cruiser was just not going to not going to match it yeah yeah it's um I, and again people don't realise what's out there but and over the next you know whatever however many episodes we'll end up doing I've got so many stories about Cabramatta yeah the the death, violence, and destruction from that that time there. But uh, I remember one time going to um, there was a drug overdose in one of the units, and just just the things that you see in the cops and Ambos had you know been yep. there and attending to to the bloke, and we 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 come in as well. Straight away, the smell of mm. the unit was like. Uh, a farm or like just animals yeah. and it's like oh, fuck. anyway go around into the kitchen <laughs> and every cupboard door had been taken off the cupboards <laughs> so and over the in where the frame of the the cupboard door was had been covered with chicken wire and all the cupboards were full of pigeons oh really chickens <laughs> and a rabbit and that's where they were like keeping them Yep. Not for pets. Now to go and feed on the streets. Yeah, just that's they were plucking the pigeon out of the uh, cupboard that was to, to chi- eat for dinner. Someone's chicken. Someone's chicken. <laughs> yeah, but there was shit and there was bird shit everywhere. You know, so they're slaughtering these things on the. <laughs> <In> that, <yeah. laughs> but like, how often do you go in and just reach in and grab a rabbit or a? chicken or a pigeon just out like of the cupboard the fridge and grabbing a fresh apple or yeah something like that. yeah yeah so 
walk into this kitchen just all chicken wire and uh it was a live <laughs> kitchen but that was like that's how cabramatta rolled hey yeah yeah i know you were there during its darkest time too that was uh peak time yeah it yeah was, that was hectic it was but, out of um, control then the chickens and pigeons and a, a rabbit in a kitchen was the the least of cabramatta's <laughs> problems <laughs> nah. but i yeah, just thought true. just some of the shit that you see in the cops is you know not not your normal stuff. Uh, you mate, see you see some, yeah, you definitely see a fair share of bad, but you definitely see some th- some weird and yeah. crazy, crazy sights. Yep, yep. So. Well, mate, probably a good place to yeah. wind it up. Um, we'll catch up again next week yeah, and sure. share some more experiences. Um, again, if anyone, um, if this has raised any issues for you, any of the topics in here, um, please... Um, reach out to us and you know if you need to talk or um, lifelines 13 11 14 and um, yeah any future episodes just make sure you've got a support person with you it's um, if these do um, raise any issues for you but um, mate again thank you for your time and thanks for sharing yep likewise mate it was good all right brother Cheers, cheers mate